Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen? How do I make money for my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match with you great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I use Anchor in a simple matter. I take my podcast episodes, edit them in Premiere, upload them to Anchor and schedule them and set my tags and my description, all that good stuff. Just sit back and let it distribute to all the platforms. It's very simple and very easy to use and very user-friendly. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Well, you you definitely want to look at other movies, especially yeah. when you're doing movies like that. That was my first time to working with cars. Yeah. And as a kid, I think for most of us, when you think of cars, you think Fast and Furious. Yep. So I definitely did some research mm-hmm. into Fast and Furious. Um, went back to old video games. I used to play Need for Speed. Okay. Yeah. So I learned from those to get an idea. Hey guys, it's Wednesday and you already know what it is. A new episode of Chasing the Frame. Today I'm with Nicholas Grant. Nick, how are you? Can I call you Nick? Is that cool? Yes, absolutely fine. How are you doing today, Nick? Good, good. Thank you for having me on here. Thank you for being on this show. And also, by the way, everyone, just so you know, for transparency purposes, this is the first time we ever actually met in person. So this is a big, huge, crazy day in the sense of like just meeting for the first time. I know who you are. I've seen your work. It's great. And it's great to have you on the show. I thank you again for that. And also, before we get to it, I just want to thank everyone who listens to the cast, by the way. Thank you for listening. It's it's a pleasure. This is actually the 20th episode I was telling Nick before he got on um, air with me today. And if you're a Patreon member, by the way, it's three different tiers. You have the three uh, a $1 tier, which you'll get the podcast three days before it airs, a $2 tier, so you get it five days before it airs, and a three or five. I always forget which one it is, and I... I'm terrible, but you have a top tier, which gives you next week's podcast already today. So that's a big plus. So you can technically listen to next week's episode today, but thank you guys again. Even the people who don't like listen to Patreon or don't subscribe to Patreon. Thank you anyway. Like, thank you for listening and getting the new, the word out, I guess, or the, you know, the, the, I don't know the, the episodes out there for me. Um, so let's get to it. Who's ready to chase frames today. So Nick, this is the first question I ask everyone on the show. Where are you from originally? Well, originally I am from Brooklyn, New York. That is where I was born. Um, but I have spent a majority of my life here in Las Vegas. How long were you in Brooklyn for? Uh, been there since I was three years old. I have very, very vague memories of it. Okay. But what I do remember is the amazing food that was there. Yes. New York has a wonderful food. So I have to ask you also before we get into the next question, Knicks or Nets? Knicks. Okay. How do you how do you feel about them? I know they always have some shitty seasons. They're so, all <laughs> but yeah, definitely the next. Uh, Giants or Jets? Jets. Oh, we were we were we were bonding. I- <laughs> oh, God. Uh, all right, yeah. y- Yankees or Mets? Yankees. Okay, that's fine. All right, all right, cool. So let me ask you a second question that gets us into the show. What was the first film, TV show? Um, you know actor that got you saying like i want to do this um well when i was a younger kid i was introduced to the movie silence of the lambs okay uh and that's when i was introduced to anthony hopkins who is an amazing amazing actor i found my love for film through psychological horror Mm -hmm. through the um interest um complexities of the mind the darkness of it and realized that it's a lot scarier in here than anything that's hiding under your bed or anything in the closet. Yeah. 
So writing about that, it got me realizing that, yeah, I can make stuff about that. Also, um, when I was a younger kid, I was introduced to vampires. Any of my friends will tell you that I am a huge vampire nerd. Mm -hmm. Really, with Dracula, he is my favorite movie monster of all time. Who's your favorite Dracula? Uh, Christopher Lee, Bella Lugosi, right? That's the other Dracula. Um, who else was Dracula? Oh, um, blanking out on names. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman, yes. Thank you. Uh, that was a Bram Stoker's. Like, mm -hmm. Francis Ford Coppola. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Which of your favorite out of those three, or do you have another one that you prefer as well? Which one do you like the best? It would definitely be between Gary Oldman and Christopher Lee. Why, why those two? When it came to Dracula, I always saw him as pretty scary, mm -hmm. dark, but also complex. I feel Gary Oldman captured the complexity and the torture of the character. Christopher Lee captured the horror and the scary side of him. Yeah. Uh, how about this one? What do, we, what do you think about Leslie Nielsen as Dracula? <laughs> Dracula Dan loving it. Come on. That's one of my favorite comedies. That is a great movie. Ever. It's a it, great movie. It's sadly Mel Brooks's like last movie, if I'm not mistaken, that he did. Uh yeah, that he actually act directed in, but it's a great movie. Mm -hmm. Oh, that what's your favorite scene in that? Uh <laughs> if I had to give a favorite scene, I think it's the one where Renfield is um <laughs> eating the bugs and yeah. <laughs> he keeps picking it off the table. <laughs> Every time. Yes, I love that. I love that scene, and I love the scene when Steven Weber and Mel Brooks go to kill um, the other, not Mina, uh, who's the, Lucy, oh, right? <laughs> and uh, fucking, uh, <laughs> fucking Mel uh, Mel Brooks like she's almost dead, and he's like, <laughs> but isn't she enough? <laughs> like, yeah. and he, like all that blood spews out. Yeah. Did you know Steven Weber didn't know that was gonna happen? Oh, uh, actually, I did not know that. Fun fact of the day. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, the more you know. <laughs> hey, uh, so, okay, going back also to Silence of the Lambs, what made you, I mean, besides the psychological part of that and Anthony Hopkins, what, what? I mean, that just attract you or, like, um, what else attracted you to that movie? Was it just anything else, too? Well, it was pretty creepy. Yeah. Especially on Hannibal Lecter's part. I mean, when you see Clary Starling and she's going through the motions through the FBI and then she's told by her boss that she has to interview this man. Mm -hmm. And then you get to this hospital. He's supposed to be in this wing where the craziest of the crazy are supposed to be. Yeah. She goes down the jail cells and you see everybody spouting obscenities at her and they're just creepy and off-putting. Then you get to the last stall where the chair in front of it where Hannibal Lecter is. And all you see is an old man standing in the middle of the room yeah. with pictures that he drew as his only window to the outside world. It's like... But I just saw an old man. I was like, what did he do to get in here? Yeah. And then you get into the rest of the movie where you find out what he did, what other people say that he did. Mm. And then, of course, the daring police escape. Yeah. Which just sold it for me. It's like, okay, now I understand why this man is in here. He definitely should be behind bars. <laughs> he is creepy as all get out, yeah. especially the whole him taking the guy's face off and pretending to be the dude just to get into the end. Cause I was like, that's scary and off putting, but yeah. vastly intelligent too. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, this it's stuff like that. It's like so off putting. And Buffalo Bill too is a very, very scary yeah, guy. Buffalo is, yeah. He is. Yeah. And <sighs> besides the whole, the infamous dance scene yeah. that he does, um, it's definitely Hannibal Lecter that sold me on that whole movie. Did you read the books at all after that, or you didn't? Yes, I am a fan of Thomas Harris's work. Now, question also, how do you feel about the sequels, like Hannibal and I think Red, even though Red Dragon's technically a prequel, how do you feel, or, and even Young Hannibal, or Hannibal Rising, I think it is, how do you feel about those those uh, sequels? Did they diminish the character in that regard for you, or did they kind of heighten that legacy? Um, Silence of the Lambs of Red Dragon are my two hands-down favorite. Yeah. Love them to death. Hannibal and Hannibal Rising, um... Not so much. Mm -hmm. I mean, Hannibal Rising, I really wanted to see because I Hannibal Lecter was such an inter interesting character to me, so I wanted to know about his backstory. Yeah. But I felt that it really diminished from the character in the book a lot. Like, it could have been something a lot more, but it really kind of fell flat, mm -hmm. at least for me. Yeah. It did. 
Well, um, here's another question. What, what about the TV show? Believe it or not, I actually haven't seen the TV show. Oh. I've been meaning to. Okay. Just haven't gotten to it okay, yet. Okay, when you get back to that, you let me know. I want to hear about your thoughts on that, because that's very interesting as well. Definitely. I haven't seen it either. Okay, so we're going to... Now, past Hannibal, we're gonna, I'm going to ask you that. How old were you when you saw that movie? I was about six or seven years old. Okay, so around that six to, let's say, 15 range, did you do anything with your friends making movies? Did you have a camcorder? Did you have a camera? Anything of that nature? When did that love of making that first film, I guess, start? Like, what, what was that? My mother and my father bought me a tiny little camera mm-hmm. that you can fit in your pocket had the little, uh, it's like it was like a cell phone, yeah. But it had the little lens in on it, and I fell in deeply in love with it. I was like, the second it was in my hand, I hit record, and I just started recording everything that I mm-hmm. could. Then I wanted to start making movies, yeah, definitely in school with my friends. Yeah. But mainly, I did a lot of stuff by myself, where I would just write out a script, mm-hmm. I would block scenes out, and I would just keep going. Pretty much any time I had a camera in my hand, mm-hmm. a movie or a script would resonate through me i mean gotcha. i'm the kid who when he was writing stories i would rate my stories i would literally put little ratings on my stories <laughs> like i would put like pg-13 or rated r <laughs> and what was in it <laughs> now did you know what the rating system was like back then or was it like ah oh, this one's rated r because i have just like you know this that and the other thing in it but like, oh yeah, yeah I, okay. I was pretty familiar with the okay. rating system because <laughs> I'm like making rated R movies. I'm like, this is rated R because it has guns in it, but I'm not killing anyone. <laughs> <laughs> so you're doing that as a child, and then I guess in high school, did you have um, where'd you go? Because like, video production classes are few and far between. I believe in high school, I, I went to a Catholic school and we didn't have a video production class, and I know a few people who are on the podcast had a few uh, video production classes in their high schools. Did you have a video production class in your high school? Well, it was sort of a production-ish. It was like a film yeah. skit kind of class called uh, Gator Reels. Okay. I, I went to Green Valley High School. Um, they did this comedy skit show thing that I went to, which was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I got to shoot a lot. I actually got to write out some skits, yeah. and they got to show it on YouTube. Oh, wow. Which I thought was pretty awesome. And that's where it elevated more, but then I started looking for more actors to put into little shorts that i wanted to do but mainly for me in high school it was acting because i was in musical yeah. theater okay now tell me about musical theater that was uh that was a fun fact i learned from about you 20 seconds before we started the podcast so what was that experience like the best experience of my life mm-hmm. i absolutely love musical theater i love acting in yeah. general uh when i was in High school, uh, one of the first shows I ever did was Little Shop of Horrors. I oh, love that. Love that. And I was the understudy for Audrey 2. Okay. I was the plant. That's all. <laughs> hey, that's pretty awesome, actually. Not going to lie. And the second one was The Producers. Another okay. Mel Brooks. Yeah. Hey, bring <laughs> yeah. it around town, man. <laughs> yeah. I was a uh, gay, gay construction worker. And I played uh, a stormtrooper tr- during the whole uh, springtime for Hitler part. Oh, geez. <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. It was so much fun. And yeah. ever since then, I just kept going. Mm-hmm. Now, um, how um, now post-high school, what were you doing? Mm, mainly, mainly just uh, thinking of ideas for yeah. scripts. Mainly where I wanted to go to college, um, if I wanted to continue to pursue Mm -hmm. acting, if I really where I wanted to go and how I wanted to pursue this. The one thing I definitely did know is that I wanted to be in the entertainment industry. How old are you, by the way? 26. 26. Oh, you're young and you are, I'm 30, but so, okay. So when did you start? Like, um, I guess because you're in the film production community, I would say out here industry as well. So when did you start like, you know, reaching out and branching out with those, in the film community out here i don't really um okay i think it was around the time i graduated from college Mm -hmm. with a degree in filmmaking okay wait hold up then let's go to college real quick so where'd you go to college csn okay so what was the film production uh classes like in csn i love them uh they definitely taught me really to hone in on my skills even Mm -hmm. some things that i wasn't really familiar with and some movies that I was meaning to get to, I heard about them. They were up on the list of greatest films of all time. I just never saw them. Yeah. 
And ever since then, I just kept going. And that's where I really started to meet younger filmmakers yeah. who are now involved in the industry out here. But we still keep in contact and we just keep going and we yeah, kept yeah. filming. Um, what in that regard too, like in college, like, cause I mean, in my personal experience, let me ask you this too. Like in college, when I was doing the video production side of it, um, I felt that it was mostly a lot of theory, no practice in the sense, like we did projects. We didn't really work with the crew. Did you work with the crew? Did you like direct? Did you produce? Did you do all that things? Did you shoot? Did you just, you know what, like what were the roles that you were doing in college? And then second part of that question is when you got out of college, were those roles like severely different from what you expected and what you saw in college? Or was it like, oh, this is the same shit? Uh, I wrote, direct, edited, and mm-hmm. shot the majority of my stuff. Yeah. And it was pretty the same. We yeah. had, sometimes I had teams, but mainly I was a one-man film crew yeah. throughout my whole time in college. And it was a very enjoyable experience. Um, I learned a lot, especially when it came to actors and auditions yeah definitely with auditions and casting notices too what was it like uh casting people in college like what was the hunger level because i feel like we'll talk about this later but you know the acting community out here is a little uh um but what was it like in college like how how that acting community of those kids were they hungry enough to like hey we're gonna get this role we're gonna do this and that and the other thing what was that like the benefit of auditioning in college is that you definitely get a lot of hungry students who want to branch out into this industry Mm -hmm. not just from theater but also film and a lot of them do come from theater who want to branch out into film and want to know what that's like how much it differs and they want to be on screen, on the big screen, the ultimate dream. So when you do that, you definitely get a lot of hungry people and you definitely, it's a, it's a thrill really Mm. to see a lot of people who want to film and push themselves past what they're used to Mm. and really immerse themselves into it. And me uh, going through who I have to audition processes in college were always my favorite part. Cause yeah. I was like, I felt like a real filmmaker. It's like, I'm putting the steps in motion yeah. to bring this to life. So yeah, definitely. Were you ever like, how harsh were you with your castings? Oh, <laughs> were you like, Oh, good job. I'll call you in a second. Or were you like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sweet. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty good. sweet. I'm, I'm not, mean yeah, in yeah. the slightest you don't at seem all. like a mean person at all no. <laughs> no. you're very nice uh <laughs> so uh working with the team what was that like too like what um i know you you sound like you prefer working alone or um, why do you prefer if i may ask it do you do you prefer working alone because it sounded like you did um or do you work like working with a team better i i have worked by myself for so many years yeah. that i think i'm just used to it now mm-hmm. Not so much that I don't like working with other people. When you find like-minded people, that I mean, are like I'm you. sorry to apologize to you, by the way. Just oh, to, I cut you off. No, um, no. but like I mean it in a negative way. Oh I, no, 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 no. Just making sure. I'm like, who doesn't sound like an ass? I just met you. No, 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 <laughs> okay. no. no. I, I get what you. It's just um, I've just done it for so many years yeah. that it's just it's just now second nature to me to kind of take and do all these different roles. And essentially that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to learn every single role that a filmmaker does from writing, directing, editing, cinematography, music, VFX, key grip, uh, catering, just script supervisor, assistant producing. The whole kickaboodle. Yeah. I wanted to learn as much as I could. So whenever I got on a, on another set, they would ask me what to do. I can just like, I got it. I can instantly just knock that out for you. I can take care of it. I can give you a hundred percent. So yeah, tell me about one of your favorite uh, college and project singular by yourself, and one that you did with a team. Hmm. One that I did was called "What Happened Last Night," which is one that I did in college by myself mm-hmm. with a two amazing actors, um, Barry Brown and Ashley Fox. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was sort of a horror, which is my genre. Yeah. Love it. And another one, another one. Um, one was called Pete the Pilot. Okay. That, um, <laughs> a good man named Dante uh, Carter. He did uh, this movie where it was like it was all inside a kid's imagination mm-hmm. and how he would interpret this as a movie. It's like a kid has 
really no money to do a budget. So he literally did this whole thing where all the planes and stuff that he was imagining, they were action figures yeah. and the plane was cardboard and he green screened it. And it was like, it was just amazing. It was totally imaginative. Yeah. Amazing to work on. So was it, a, that's a movie within a movie? Sort of. Yeah. A movie within a movie. So moveception. Mm, sort of. <laughs> now, what did you do on that project? Um, I mainly just helped with like uh, keying with green screen. Oh, okay. I helped with uh, tracker markers on the green screen. Dante directed and wrote, mm-hmm. worked with an amazing group of people. I hope to work with them again sometime. Yeah, yeah. What? Because uh, I hate I hate VFX personally, and I say anyone who does VFX is a saint. So you're a saint in my book. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, so then, post college. Uh, or actually during college, were you also reaching out to people in the film community? Were you working on any outside projects of school? What were what were they? And what were those experiences like? Um, definitely tried to make my very first feature film. Okay, what was that? Um, it was a movie called Lilith. I wanted to make a female version of Dracula. Oh, okay. And um, I had actors i had people interested it was the first time i ever tried to launch an indiegogo campaign mm-hmm. raise money for yeah. it unfortunately that uh idea didn't really pull through and several times i did try to resurrect it but mm-hmm. it, it just seems like and as with most filmmakers out here yeah. some projects just don't get past the script phase yeah. and sometimes they'll just be shelved and that's okay yeah. it's, it's not a bad thing well here's the question what what what, what do you think went wrong with that indiegogo uh I didn't know too much about marketing when it came to mm-hmm. Indiegogo. I'm a little bit more affluent with it now, yeah. but when it came to then, I think I just didn't market it as to the best of my ability. Yeah. My parents, or definitely my mom, who is, I call her my momager, and mm-hmm. my dad, who they support me to no end, yeah. my biggest supporters, they shared everything left and right to yeah. make sure I got all over social media and Facebook, but even still it um also I found out that years when I did that, not too many people knew about Indiegogo. They were more familiar with Kickstarter. Yeah. And you know I agree with you on that. Indiegogo I think is better personally. I like the I don't know if Kickstarter does this now. I am so far away from like looking always always looking up that stuff and like trying to figure that out. But Indiegogo, what made it so unique and fascinating is you didn't have the, um, if you don't get the goal, you don't get the money. They had the mm-hmm. flexible thing where if you, hey, if you get like, if you extra like $10,000, example, and you get $2,000, you're getting like $1,500 from it because they take a cut or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that, I think the flex thing is perfect. Yeah. Indiegogo still does that. I don't know if Kickstarter does that, where if you don't make any type of money, they just take it back. yeah and now i think there's something like a kickstarter drip or something like that where it's kind of like a patreon as well i've been i think i read that somewhere it might not it might have been old and it might they might have canceled it. it's been like i said it's been a long time so don't quote me on this anyone but uh yeah like it's, it's all about patreon now too as well like as, as you know the show's on patreon mm-hmm. um if you could do that today lilith uh how would you how would you market that indiegogo differently uh definitely put it out more yeah. uh more Tease, more teasers, mm-hmm. more posters, yeah. uh, definitely heighten up promotional material because yeah. that's definitely what's missing. I had posters made, mm-hmm. but not too much. I had uh, one teaser, but when I really see how mo- filmmakers out here and all over the world yeah. really like push their stuff with uh, T-shirts, posters, yeah, yeah. hats, cups, mugs, yeah. they go the extra route with that promotional material. I would do that if I wanted to resurrect Lilith. Mm-hmm. That's smart. I like that idea. I think also too, it's hard. I mean, it's hard in general because there's a cluster of of movies as well, and it's hard to always like find. Like if you're just a casual Indiegogo or Kickstarter viewer who looks for things, I think movies are probably one of the toughest things to probably look for if you don't have a backing or a following. And do you think also because you do do YouTube as well? It's a little tangent off Broadway, as my friend Carlos would say. Um, because you do the YouTube thing, and I'm, I've gained probably so much more in the last handful of years in subscribers and stuff like that. Now that you have a base in that regard, do you think that would that would obviously help your Indiegogo calls? You think? I think so. Yeah. Have you ever thought about like um, doing a Patreon instead for Lilith or something like that, or a um, or I don't even know, uh, maybe like a 
YouTube. I don't even know. Patreon. Would you ever use a Patreon idea for it? Maybe make chapters instead. Make it like a web series that leads to the movie that you can make like the movie in general, general, and then like do it in a web series style. Have you thought about other ways of? Definitely, doing with it? came to marketing, I have yeah. thought of different venues on how to tackle it. Yeah. Patreon seems to be growing even yeah. bigger than both Kickstarter and Indiegogo, mm-hmm. so I definitely would tackle it that way. Um, again, just more marketing, especially with social media, maybe a Facebook page for yeah, it, yeah. A, a Instagram for it, Twitter. Yeah, definitely, definitely. just expand on it. Um, also, in in that regard, after Lilith, what did you do next? After that one, um, I graduated from college, yep. and then I got introduced to a man named Joe Lujan, who worked on him and worked on his uh, one of his first features. I believe this one is no, not Rust, The Immortal Wars. Oh, okay, that was the first. I I call it the first real production set I've ever been on. What did you do on that set? I was um, grip and. Yeah, just mainly like grip or caterer mm. and DIT. I yeah. even helped out with some of the uh, few of the visuals mm. on there. Um, if you see the movie where the holograms are on the masks, yeah, I helped with a template on them just to put them on there. So cool. that was pretty fun. That was one of the first VFX jobs I ever done. That's awesome. So to see it out there being sold, it's it's awesome. Um, what was that experience like? Um, being on that set, what was the set like in in general sense? Was it a good? I enjoyed good vibe? it. Yeah, yeah, very, very oh, good, good job. Yeah. I enjoyed it very much. The other one, um, beef, uh, alongside it was a movie called Unwritten okay. by Dale Nevin. Okay, well, how was that movie? It was great. I got to meet some amazing actors on there. One of them was Ben Stober, mm-hmm. and the other one was Mark Justice. Mm-hmm. Great people, great actors. Who I just found out is not acting anymore. Really? Uh, this, just to let, also transparency to everyone, this is uh, December 13th, and this will be released in May. I totally blanked down on the date now, but it's the week after Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> but um, a friend texted me, or I called the friend yesterday, and they were telling me about they wanted to use Mark Justice, but he gave her, he gave him a long text about him getting out of the entertainment industry. So breaking news on that front for you. So oh. I don't know, I don't know how true it is. Yeah. But yeah, oh, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. But yeah, dang. I, I don't know. Like I said I don't know if it's like full. If he's just saying that, does he doesn't want to be on the project? Like I don't know how. I don't know the guy, so I can't really. But I, that's what I, he told her. I have no idea. So, yeah, but I have no that, idea either. That'd be a shame. Like because he's, yeah. he's he's phenomenal. And he's, he's also on like the the the. I can't. I cannot speak today, everyone. Again, <laughs> this is usually what happens uh, when I'm sleep deprived all week. But uh, he's on the. Oh my God! What is that thing down in Fremont? The zip line. Oh, he's on the posters for yeah, that. Slotzilla. Yeah, yeah Slotzilla. He's on. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you did that. Well, uh, so unwritten. What was that about? What did you do on set? I was digital. I was mainly digital imaging technician on okay, that one. So what does digital imaging technician do? Tell the viewers. Like, what did you do on that set? A uh, digital imaging technician or DIT. Mm-hmm. They um they're at a computer yep. and while the filmmakers are out there shooting, a man will come by, give me the SD card for mm-hmm. the videos and the audio. All you have to do is just put them in folders on the computer for whatever day that you were shooting yeah. and just file them correctly so that the editor can pick them out appropriately yeah. and pick them out right. What what camera do you remember what camera you were working on? Uh nice. I think it was the Sony A7S2. Oh, okay. That was on unwritten? Yeah. Okay, cool. That's the last I Wow. And then what was after unwritten? Um, after it was, it was between, yeah, it was unwritten and then it was, um, a mortal wars, like kind of back to back, but, uh, yeah. Um, both of them were great. Yeah. First real experiences when it came to filmmaking. And then after that, I reconnected with an old friend, Deborah Richards. Okay. And I was digital imaging technician on her short send Hollywood, my love. Okay. A comedy comedy. One of the first comedies she wrote, she's, fantastic and amazing director by the way absolutely incredible so what was the first like project that you did really being the camera guy the camera being that camera dude um hmm uh forgive me it's okay blank um 
if I had to say one where I was just like the DP for yeah. it, just exclusively, yep. I think it would be this year. Um, okay. It's, um, I was working with uh, Julie Garcia mm-hmm. on a Christmas uh, comedy. Yeah. And that was really my first time as a director of photography. Mm-hmm. And it was also the first time um, where I'm branching off into comedy. Yeah, because before it was mainly just horror, but I am learning to tackle other genres like drama, mm-hmm. romance, and really with comedy too. That seems to be the big one that everybody really, really loves. Is yeah. comedy. What did you learn? Like, um, oh wait, actually, question: weren't you on Boost? Maurice Hooks. Yeah. Yes, but weren't you the DP for that too? Um, uh, mainly just for the trailer. Oh, okay, what well, they were directing. Did they ever make a movie out of that? No, that one, unfortunately, I believe, was um, shelved. Okay, just wondering. Well, you're still a DP, though, on a trailer, so, I mean, you technically have that experience in, yes, that, in that regard. Was yeah. that the f- first one, or was that not really the first one? I, that? You know, the more I think about it, I definitely say, yeah, that is the first one. My apologies. Oh, no, again. it's okay. Just, it's been a minute. No, so. it's okay. No worries. Um, so, actually, here's my question, though, for that, though, in general, uh, what was it like learning... Because you, I, I, I would assume. I don't. Let me ask you this: Do you see the footage as a DIT? Yes. Now, what did you learn seeing that footage, viewing that footage? That you're like, okay, this is what I need to do as a DP. This is what I need to do, or like, this is what I don't want to do. This is what I want to do. You know, like, and what, what did you bring from the DIT aspect to the DP aspect of shooting? Definitely, uh, and um, learning in a learning regard. Framing, lighting, and color grading. Mm-hmm. Those three things, mainly. Um, it's easy when you uh, want to be a DP and a yeah. cinematographer. You just want to pick up the camera. and You just want to aim it mm-hmm. at the actor and yeah. just start shooting. But there is so much more into it than just that. You have to check for shadows. You yeah. want to see what's more visually appealing. Mm-hmm. You want to make it look more cinematic or maybe not cinematic. Maybe you're doing a documentary yeah. or maybe you want to make it black and white yeah. or add, vi- add visuals to yeah, it. Yeah. Just like you, there's so many aspects into it that I garnered from college, but I kept learning. Yeah. Like literally when I left college, I just kept learning yeah. from the university of YouTube. Yes. And the best part of that is uh, no student fees, no tuition. Yeah, and that's basically, and that's what everyone's going to be on soon, probably, like the U- University of YouTube or YouTube University, whatever they want to call it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you learn so much on YouTube in general. I still learn shit on YouTube. Um, and also, like, you know, that it's so interesting. Like, did you also, did you go into that project, let's say, for example, Boost, when you're doing that, you're like, all right, this is my, it's your first one, basically, you're saying. Now, did you go, like, I gotta watch this movie, I gotta watch this movie, I wanna see what they do? Did you, like, study some movies? Did you, what'd you do to get in that mindset of, like, all right, big fucking project, pardon my French, big fucking project, but, like, I need to figure out what I need to do, like, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna shoot it? Let me get some inspiration. Who are your inspirations? Did you have any inspirations? Well, you you definitely want to look at other movies, especially yeah. when you're doing movies like that. That was my first time to working with cars. Yeah. And as a kid, I think for most of us, when you think of cars, you think Fast and Furious. Yep. So I definitely did some research mm-hmm. into Fast and Furious. Um, went back to old video games. I used to play Need for Speed. Okay. Yeah. So I learned from those to get an idea of how exactly I wanted the camera angles to look, how I was going to edit it, the transitions, mm-hmm. the color, and even the sound, too. Because yeah. that plays a huge part when you hear the roaring of the car yeah. engines or if they're skirting down the streets. You just want to dive more into it, too, especially when it comes to action. Yeah. In Action in general, in my opinion, is one that I consider it to be the hardest for me along with comedy, but it's one that is so fascinating to me. I just keep wanting to learn about it. Yeah. And also action too. It's a very, um, I had the word at t- tip my tongue, but it's a very like intense process too. Cause again, like you said, you do you have to learn it. There's a way of shooting it, especially with com- and comedy as well. And also like take after take after take after take. Cause like, then you're correcting. Th- I feel like you're correcting things. Then you're like, wait, I got to correct this too. And then, then, 
even the smallest detail out of place would ruin the edit. And also, you know, too, a big thing about that also, sound is huge. Mm-hmm. And and I think, I'm going to say this, I'm going to see if you agree with this fact, but 90% of all student films in general, and even like your first film, really, sound is like not the most important priority. Would you agree? Yeah. Yes, you um, made that mistake. It, uh, well, if you go on my YouTube and you see some of my shorts, you will definitely see that sound is has been my weakest, mm-hmm. my weak spot yeah. right there. But it is very, very, very important. Yeah, sound. You want to hear what the characters are saying. You want to hear like um, something as like somebody's coming in the door. You want to hear the yeah the walking or somebody's knocking on the door. You yeah. want to hear that, or the fridge opening up, or if they're walking through the snow. It's yeah. like there's so many elements, but sound is so important. It's like one of the top things you need to put into consideration yeah. before you even hit that record button and start. <laughs> Good point. Good point. And then after Boost, what did you did you do? Anything else? Did you do a lot of just your own projects? And then did you just then? I'm sorry. After Boost, did you do only just your projects? Anyone else's projects? Uh, DP DP the first uh, romance co- drama movie I guess you said the Christmas movie um, that that was until years later when after booze I started doing my own okay. stuff but they were mainly all horror yeah um, one of them was called Happy Anniversary okay what was that um, it was pretty much a story about a man who comes home to celebrate his anniversary mm-hmm. to his wife and she has a surprise for him yeah. that he doesn't expect. Now, um, talk about your YouTube as well. I like that idea, by the way. Um, did you, you had it in college, I'm guessing. Um, did you get heavier on it after boost, like heavier into YouTube? So you're just uploading a lot more and shit like that. Um, I definitely started uploading a lot more, uh, trailers. Yeah. Uh, some of the films, unfortunately were still being worked on or some regrettably never came out. Yeah. But now, definitely this year, I've been utilizing more shorts, putting out more material really to grow my channel. Because as the views on two of my movies, uh, one of them, Happy Anniversary, and the other one, The Session, have grown in views so much. And even now, I'm wondering where are all these views coming from? Mm -hmm. I've really taken more attention to it, to wanting to grow, putting out more material, just keep it growing to see where it goes. Do you have like a schedule of putting out material or do you just go, okay, today's the day, maybe next week's the day, or do you just go, or do you have a schedule? I definitely make it so to where I can at least put out one short a week. Okay. Now, do you have like a specific day or do you just go today's the day? Yeah, pretty much today's the day, but as long as it's within that week. week. Okay, nice. I mean, I did the YouTube thing. I've been doing the YouTube thing for a long time and it's, it's always been a pain in the butt cheeks to get consistent material too, as well. And, um, yeah, like you have to be, like I said, put something out consistently, like weekly on a weekly basis, but you should also look into, um, I don't know if you did, uh, but basically good days to post and good times to post as well. Cause that will help you in the rankings as well too. Now I think I saw something called Val Chronicles. Is that you too? Uh, yes. Now, when did you do that? Uh, that was actually, yeah, that was, that was around the time after, after boost. Okay. Um, I got to work on that with, uh, a woman named Paula. Is that your project or is that? No. no? Um, Maurice introduced me to this, um, to this woman, Paula, Mm -hmm. and she wanted this idea for a vampire, uh, short. Yeah. And he knew how much I was into vampires, yeah, yeah. so we we worked together and we came out with a trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, after the first premiere, after, uh, not a trailer, it was an episode. And when we premiered it, people wanted to see more. Yeah. So we worked together to put it to put out a whole series. Yeah. yeah. And grow it. Um, unfortunately, right now it is on hold. Mm-hmm. Right now, so. What do you have like just one episode out and that's it basically? Or what are you, are you guys looking for funding? Is that what, what is the, why is it on hold? Uh, right now on hold because, uh, just, uh, I believe it's just, um, financial issues yeah. right now. Um, as far as an episode, uh, one hasn't been released mm-hmm. yet. Um, not too, 
familiar with everything else though but all yeah. i know is it's just right now it's just shelved right now okay to... oh okay i was just, I was just wondering oh okay. yeah I'm, I'm curious cat man I'm curious <laughs> cat just trying to figure out things um so you did that what else have you done anything oh. after that um definitely after uh val that's when i worked on the session with the with uh my friend from college, Francis mm-hmm. Avon, um, I got introduced to Angela Ray Clark mm-hmm. and the amazing actress, Mindy Gilkerson, mm-hmm. who that was um, first time ever worked with her, yeah. knocked that out in three days. Oh, wow. And about one or two years later, it's it grew, yeah. like incredibly like grew in views. And I'm just kind of like flabbergasted. I was like, where are all these views coming from? <laughs> I was like, maybe we did our job a little better than I thought. So well, it's, like, it's not Russian bots, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was just, it was just crazy. So I wanted to keep going. Yeah. Is, is session on is sessions an ongoing thing? Um, I am right now trying to make a session two. Okay. A second part to it. Um, hopefully either next year mm-hmm. or the following year, it will be put out of 2020 or 2021. Either one of those years. Either we're, 2020. We're, we're in 2020 right now. We'll say, yeah, we'll say <laughs> in 2020. So hopefully this year, <laughs> okay. uh, you can see it on YouTube mm-hmm. or Amazon prime. Mm-hmm. What is it? What is it about? Um, a girl who goes to her therapist who tells her she, tried to drink her best friend's blood. Jesus. And she tries to get to the bottom of what exactly happened the night she attacked her friend. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a psychological thriller horror. Is it a short film or a longer form film? Short. Short, like 10 minutes? Less than that? 15 minutes. 15, oh, not too bad. Yeah, nice. And then after sessions, did you put that in any film festivals, by the way? Yes. Uh, I did put that in film festivals. Mm-hmm. I The Beer International Horror Film Genres Awards. Yeah. It came back with a uh, best actress for her very nice which i'm very proud of it got an official selection mm-hmm. and best uh music nice that's awesome now did you, you directed that too i'm guessing session yes now congratulations to you because you did d- direct her in acting so technically you have that award <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do after sessions after the session, I started branching out more and networking more with yeah. people. Around that time, I met George Elias. Yeah. Great dude. Mm-hmm. Um, friend of the pod. Yes, friend of the pod. Um, when I was in college, uh, when I went back to college, yeah. I was doing an interview with him mm-hmm. about filmmakers and careers, and I wanted to talk to him about it. And ever since then, I got to know him more for George Elias Presents, yeah, which yeah. is a phenomenal YouTube channel yes. and a on Facebook too. He makes great material. Yeah. This year I've been working with him much, much more. Mm-hmm. I worked with him a few years back, about a year back. Yeah. And I did a short called, can I kill you mm-hmm. with, uh, he helped me out with uh, sound and grip. Nice. Uh, that one is to be released very soon. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So it's on the it's on the back burner, but gonna be released. Nice. Can't, I'm I'm excited for that one. Uh, so what, what, how's that re- working relationship with George been? Fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love working with him. Anytime we are out to shoot something, it is a blast. Because I know he has a lot of ideas, and it sounds like you have a lot of ideas too. Do you guys do you guys fight over who whose idea is it today? <laughs> No, no, we whenever no. we filmmake, it's kind of like we're one mind. Okay, like, wow. Okay, yeah. Cool. He has his strengths. I have my strengths. Yeah. But when we mesh them together, it's a match made in heaven. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. That's good. Yeah, because I, I was just joking about the whole fighting thing. By the way, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, let's talk about that first time DPing though on a feature uh, feature film. You said short. short. So uh, sorry. So what was that experience like working with that person making? Now it's not a trailer; it's a short. Mm-hmm. And working with a director like that, what was that relationship like working with a director in in that nature? It's fun. I mean, when honestly, it's. I realized after doing one man film crew stuff for so long, what a sort of a breath of fresh air it is when you're just doing one specific job and yeah. not twenty. Yeah. So when I was just focusing on one thing, mm-hmm. when I just had to focus on my one job, it was surprisingly a breeze to yeah. get through. 
and working with the director and the entire cast and the actors was fun. Yeah. Never done anything. I love learning new stuff yeah. and really honing my skills to see exactly how far I can go as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. It's you can't I figured I I can't just stay with just horror. I love horror. Yeah. I will keep doing horror films to the day I die. Yeah. But I want to see if I can do other stuff and definitely through my first DP yeah. and working with George mm. and networking more, meeting other people and getting out of my show. Yeah. It's helping me and it's growing me as a much stronger artist. Yeah. In definitely. my personal opinion. And and I agree with you because I believe um that as a filmmaker, I think also just to let you know, I think the word filmmaker is very broad. So as a grip, you're a filmmaker, as an editor, you're a filmmaker, everything, everyone's a v- filmmaker. But as a filmmaker in general, just saying, um, you know, you learning different, you, I'm sorry, you going on different genres, you doing, you know, working with different actors in general, this is not saying you personally, but like it helps you strengthen your overall thing. And also that those genres can help you strengthen your horror genre as well. And has that, have you felt like that has helped you in that regard? Do you feel that same way or am I just crazy? No, 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 no. It actually has helped me. Um, definitely with um different styles as opposed to just one. Yeah, and realizing in some cases you can actually mix them up a little bit yeah. to actually enhance the genre that you're most familiar with. Mm-hmm. So it definitely helps. Nice. Um, so what um uh, what other projects do you have? Any other projects you've been working on? Um, next week will be the premiere of Coven. Okay. A movie I've worked with the amazing Melissa Brown okay. and Amy Trujillo. Okay. Um, it's a vamp one. <laughs> okay. Is this a series or is this a one-off? Um, there's going to be a one, and I'm planning on doing a part two okay. to that one. Um, but on December 18th, uh, next Wednesday, yep. I believe. That is next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. It will be released on my channel for everybody to see. Nice. So it will be out already, guys. It's May. So <laughs> it's it's the Evergreen Show, dog. I'm sorry. Uh, here's a question for you. I like to ask this to everyone recently who's been in the film production community mm-hmm. and industry out mm-hmm. here in general. And you've been doing this for a while, too. And I've, I've been doing this for a handful of years. And I mean, just in general... The film production community out here has it grown? Has it, you know, been the same? What are the strengths and weaknesses of it? And what do we I, like? This is my question because I want to get down to the root of this thing. I personally, I don't think it's the strongest because a handful. We'll get into a handful of reasons, but I want to get to that next level. I want to break. I want Vegas to kiss the not kiss the glass anymore, but break the glass. And I'm I want to get down to what is like the strengths of it. What are the weaknesses of it? And what can we do to you know get to that next level? So what do you think are the strengths? Let's start with that strengths are definitely um story the production quality out here is growing yeah definitely especially with um you have uh a empire yeah. or quantumark media yeah. or george Lewis presents yeah. <laughs> where they're growing in quality and it's expanding yeah. and they're branching out a lot more but the one thing that is definitely lacking in the industry in my personal opinion yeah. is collaboration yeah Definitely, we need to work more with each other and to grow because you never know. You could meet somebody that you've never considered working with, mm-hmm. and it could be a match made in heaven. Or uh, finding somebody who's expressed interest yeah. in writing a script or making a movie, and you realize they have an incredible idea or an incredible way of handling it. Yeah. It's really about collaboration and working together. That's one thing that I definitely will say that the industry out here is lacking. Yeah. And that's funny because guys, you know this, and I've said this on other shows too. We never talked about this prior to him even starting the record button. I, we always go straight into shit and we talk about shit at, on the fly and never ask anyone the questions. I only ask them two. I'm telling, I tell them about the two questions before the show, which is where are you from? And what was the first movie? Basically, and it's funny that he brought up about the community feeling like, you know, needing to collaborate because not only him, but everyone else has said that who has been on this podcast so, so far. People, we have said it's like a click. 
it's high schoolish where everyone's very separate. And even the people that were on this have said like they they do feel separate because they don't know about the community. They don't trust like they don't not trust the community, but they don't they it's just a weird community. And it's just everyone's all over the place and no like I guess no one really trusts each other, I feel like, in that instance, if we're not getting a collaboration. It can you know def- I mean? it can definitely feel like cert- about groups that they're they feel secure yeah. with that one. They know yeah. the people that is in that group. Yeah. They know the people that they work with. They work with them so many times before that they're used to it. Mm-hmm. And there, there's a fear of what will happen if they bring somebody else, yeah. or what will happen if they branch out. And that's a pro- that's a huge problem, I think, because it you is. know you look at it and to grow, like I said before, growing as a filmmaker, doing different genres, growing as a filmmaker, and even as an actor, you can't like do that because. You you learn so much more as someone at, about someone else. There's only so much you know about someone and can learn and push that person before you have are like stagnant and then everything's gonna be like this peaking or val- really plateauing and never going up higher. Exactly, and I'll I'll admit it. I've done I've done the one man film crew thing for so long because yeah. I'm just so used to it now. Yeah. This year, more than any other year of being in this industry, I am getting used to working more with other people, letting them help. Mm -hmm. Because, again, if you just stay in the bubble that I found for me, Mm -hmm. you stay in that bubble, you think you're growing, but you'd be very surprised how big that growth grows. It's actually at a snail's pace that you grow when you're actually not afraid to let other people in and get outside advice and outside help, yeah, it grows and it makes things better. But that's definitely with me because I thank George Elias Presents so much and the other filmmakers out here that I've yeah. worked with, that I've collabed with, who've expressed interest in working with me. I thank them so much in realizing it's it really is about working together, yeah. really bringing it together. yeah. yeah make things stronger. Do you think that collaboration, besides that being the weak point, do you think that's the reason why we can't break to that next level? In my personal opinion, yes. Is there anything else or is that just it? In my opinion, that's the big, that's the big one really. What's this minor one then? And this is all your, this is all honesty guys. Everyone knows this. So I, you, if you don't feel comfortable saying it, um, um, if I had to say, um, if I had, Using more fresh faces, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. Um, definitely, I would say to filmmakers, go to UNLV, go to CSN, yeah. to where to their theater programs. They have so many actors who are fresh-faced and new, yeah. and they want to break out, and they really want to get their hands on with the film industry. Utilize them. Yeah. They're, they're hungry. They are passionate yeah. for it. Because I, I, George has said this. I wonder if this has happened to you, but he has tried to reach out for people to act and stuff like that. And he said, hey, I'll pay you, you know, like whatever I could or whatever, like 25 bucks maybe, I think. Or it's like, hey, I'll buy you some pizza. And they're like, you know, giving him shit about like yada, yada, yada. Like I'm I'm better than that, basically. Have you come across that as as a person trying to cast for your films and stuff like that? Um, or have you gotten lucky? <laughs> at times, I, I get lucky. I have heard stories yeah. about those, and I have been lucky to kind of avoid those. That's good. That's good. That's a plus. And another one, my friend um, said he was like, you know, casting for a show, and people were asking, like, who's the DP, who's the director, and stuff like that. Have you, have you, has that ever come across? No? Then no. you are very lucky then to be, <laughs> be in a small selective group that not get patronized, I guess. <laughs> But I, again, because, and again, I've mentioned a collaboration before, yeah. but again, it has been because I, when I work with somebody that I have for years, mm-hmm. I get used to working with, if they're, if they're like yeah. spectacular, you want to utilize them, but I have gotten used to working with other people. I have heard the horror stories yeah. about um, certain individuals in the industry who are very questionable about uh, certain productions yeah. and on certain sets and will give filmmakers very hard times about yeah. it. I've heard about it. Um, I'm luckily enough that I really haven't come across that yeah. on my set just yet. But um, again, definitely more this year, I'm working with more people, growing my circle. Let me ask you this question. This, let me ask you this. Now, I think, or let me say this to you, and let me see what you think about this. I think personally that to break the glass also 
is we need a really good story. And I don't think, personally, this is my opinion, that horror or sci-fi or a party movie is going to break that glass. To be honest, now, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think, do you think no, John, you're wrong? Because you, you didn't tell me that, and you say fuck off, basically, in that regard. You can find stories, pretty good stories on any genre that I find. Mm. Um, but story is definitely key yeah. when it comes to most movies, and a good one, too. And yeah. a simple Mm-hmm. story yeah you find that a lot of the best movies ever made are very simple stories yeah. they're not overly complicated even the ones that people consider to be overly complicated when you really think about it are not that complicated no not at all like i mean also too like you know i look at you know moonlight or i look at you know um a richard Linkletter movie and I, I mean, he, he does his stuff in Texas, you know, Scorsese, obviously Scorsese in New York and stuff like that. But like, you know, uh, even like, let's say Moonlight, that was like filmed in Miami. I mm-hmm. didn't know that was Miami. I want to see a movie about Vegas where the story is, you know, simple, like you said, something unique, something different, but not Vegas. I want to see the suburbs. I want to see Red Rock. I want to see something outside you know, of the strip, outside the strip, because I feel like that's too much of a um crutch for a lot of us filmmakers out here i know that that that's really the big draw when it comes to las vegas i mean when immediately when you hear the name las yeah. vegas the first thing everybody thinks of is the strip actually i don't honey i blew up the kids oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey i'm just saying you know fremont was like my first experience of seeing las vegas from honey i blew up the kids <laughs> I'm mine <laughs> yeah mine was unfortunate was uh it was definitely yep from Flamingo Luxor. Yeah, only because I'm such a geek when it comes to Egyptian mythology. Okay, I love the Luxor so much. Yeah, Luxor is a great hotel. I think it's underrated. Very, yeah. very, very underrated. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have any plans? Like one, not now, but future. Do you ever want to go to LA? Do you want to? Definitely, yeah, definitely want to go to LA to make movies and meet and network. Mm-hmm. Definitely network yeah. in film. With filmmakers, not just the big ones, mm-hmm. but the smaller ones. Yeah. I love meeting indie filmmakers. Yeah. They're passionate storytellers. And not to say that the big companies aren't, but when you meet indie filmmakers who are like-minded like you, who mm-hmm. want to get their stories out there and want to get them told, it's like you potentially have another person you get to work with and yeah. you get to create stuff with. What do you think about the? Let me ask you this. I mean, have you done any work in LA, or have you, in, or no? Let me. Well, this might this might not be a good question then, but I'll ask you anyway. Because hey, what the hell? Um, the hustle out here. What do you think of the hustle? Like, because I mean, I know you only what lived in Brooklyn for three years as a child, and I'm coming from New New York, New Jersey area myself. Been out here for a handful of years, but the hustle out here isn't the same hustle. In the sense, not saying filmmakers, I'm saying the actors hustle of getting shit done or some filmmakers too, probably, you know, because like, again, we were talking about like getting filming things, but nothing's ever released. I think that's another big problem with the film community out here, too. It's like you have all these things and I hear about all these projects and then they don't come out or like, you know, shit happens. Yeah. Um, I think when it definitely comes to the acting scene out here, the big goal is L.A. because yeah. it's it's Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. It's Los Angeles where all the big stars go. It's yeah. But um, normally I really do feel like the drive is definitely it's there is hustle out here. Yeah. But the big dream is to make it out there. Yeah. Definitely. Gotcha. Uh, what was it? it? Are there any nuggets or like, you know, yeah, nuggets that you have for people who are filmmakers out here or actors, anyone. What What's your words of wisdom? A good story can come from anywhere. All you have to do is just have the courage to go out there and record it. And it doesn't have to be something big. I mean, I know I've talked about crew and other actors, but sometimes it can be as simple as getting your phone putting it on a little stand and just coming up with a story, get like a little editing yeah. software and just come up with it. Um, filmmaking is so much different now than it was years ago. They've made it super simple to make stuff now and much more affordable yeah. too. I mean, you can tell a great story and make it simple, but 
you have the if you have the drive for it and you have the motive you have to have the motivation for it. Yeah. You just have to keep going and that's the big thing I have to say. Just keep going. Keep working, keep grinding mm-hmm. and even when you feel like you know a good chunk of everything, keep learning. There's so much more you can learn, not just from what you learn on the internet, but go on a set, on another person's set. Yeah. Learn what they want. Go on a smaller set. Go on a bigger set. Act in one. Yeah. Just uh, learn as much as you can. Just keep going. That's the big thing. Just keep going. If this is really what you want to do, if this is what sets your heart afire, if this is the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning and the last thing you think about before you go to sleep at night, just keep pushing. You know what you are? A hashtag frame chaser. Plug for the show. <laughs> You are man. That that was you. Can, I couldn't say that better myself. But that, thank you. That was a great point. Um, what is your social media? By the way, we are wrapping up right now. Um, my social media is on YouTube. You can go to Graveyard Cinemas. My logo is a big red skull, mm-hmm. not hard to miss. Or you can go on to my Instagram, Nick G the Geek, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Nick, for being on the show. And thank you. Thank you guys again for listening, and remember to subscribe to the podcast. We are on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Also, remember what I said in the beginning, we have a Patreon page, three different tiers. One, you get it for three days before the show, five days before the show, and the second one, and a week out, basically. So next week's episode, you can listen to today. And remember, guys, I can't do this without you. I have great plans for the future of this podcast. I keep saying it. You know, I think I mentioned this a handful of times, shirts. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, hey. And also, I want to do some live streaming too, as well, hopefully later on. Um, and again, can't do it without you guys, even the guys who don't even, you know, subscribe to the Patreon. Like, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. And I can only do it with you guys because you are my hashtag frame chasers. Again, again, Nick, thank you. And again, guys, thank you. Have a great day. Have a great week. Have a great month. Have a great year. We'll catch you next time. That means next week, next Wednesday on Chasing the Frame. See you guys. Peace.